Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction, NHL, NBA, MLB, and of course March Madness, and so much more. It's bananas. Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness, exclusive games with insane odds that you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario using the QR code at the bottom of the screen or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The Tampa Bay Lightning have been sensed. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa, everybody. I am Maud, solo hosting tonight. Uh, first time in a little while. I'm a little bit tired, I have to say. I've been up since 6 a.m. this morning, so hopefully uh, I'm not too low energy here tonight. But it was a fun game uh, with plenty to talk about here tonight. Um, just going to start off with a couple chat shoutouts here. I see the footy boys saying today is their birthday so happy birthday to you and then also adam saying uh their birthday was last week so happy belated birthday to you as well just a couple shout outs there and um before i get started as well just because i want to shout out that i'm wearing the official game over merch that you can't see on camera because of how my camera is framed just a reminder to everyone that we do have that merch available at sdpn.ca as well as uh many other awesome uh, awesome pieces of merch so if you're if you've been a fan of game over ottawa this season that that's uh, a nice little thing that you could pick up um to to rep the show uh just figured i would shout that out since i am wearing it tonight but no one can see it on camera but uh yeah big win over the lightning this is the second time in the last two weeks that the sens have uh, put up seven goals on the lightning i'm pretty sure it was seven to two last time a couple weeks ago, and I have to say, I don't think that the Tampa Bay Lightning look very good headed into the playoffs here. Like, they're kind of a team that it feels like they can just coast through the whole season, the whole regular season, and then turn it on come playoff time. Because I kind of felt this way at the end of last regular season, kind of thinking that Tampa looks sort of done, and then I thought that Toronto was going to beat them in the playoffs, but we all know how that goes with Toronto in the playoffs. They don't seem to like beating people in the first round. However, with how we've been seeing Tampa play lately, I'm thinking it might be Toronto's year. It might be their year to finally win a round, because, boy, Tampa did not look very good tonight. Just, uh, dominated on the shot clock all night and if it's if the Sens had any decent goaltending like this might not have been close at all um the lightning are pretty banged up i do have to point out i i was uh thinking that actually i had a list of injuries here uh, that i was going to read out but then i just realized uh anthony sorelli and brandon hegel are both on this list uh i guess it was from it was from their last game uh they both played tonight so i think hegel scored as well so but they're they're still missing tanner Janot. Uh, you know what pat maroon is in this list too he played tonight as well missing tanner Janot. eric shernak didn't he play as well what the hell so everyone who was out of the lineup um when i saved this tweet for the lightning uh, they were most of them were back tonight actually so i take back my claim of the lightning being really injured i guess it's actually not that bad um yeah the only guys scratching tonight was hayden flurry tanner Janot, and mikhail sergachev who i believe he um is having his first child so that's why he missed the game today i saw that only because i have him on my fantasy team uh and you get those little updates so uh, congratulations to him on the birth of his first child um but yeah, Tampa, so Tampa actually had a pretty full lineup tonight, and the Sens just took it to them. 40 to 24 shots 
in total, and it wasn't, um, the shot clock was never really close. Halfway through the game, it was uh, 16 to 8 shots for the Sens, and it just, it started that way, and it just kind of stayed that way, with the Sens carrying the play for most of this one, but I'm going to run it back to my notes at the start of the game, kind of run through the game in chronological order. If anyone is hanging around in chat and has any questions or comments, please do let me know, even if it has nothing to do with what I'm currently talking about. I love getting the chat comments and uh, responding, so if you got anything on your mind, be sure to let me know tonight. Uh, but 30 seconds into the game, Drake Batherson scores. The kind uh, of almost feels like a rare even-strength goal for him, because he is the power play goal scorer this year for some reason, only scoring on the power play, but he gets one at even-strength, and uh, it was a weird bounce on a dump-in from Debrinkit. Eric Branstrom, with a great assist, though, just sending it to the net off of that weird bounce. It kind of came right to him, and Batherson just got, like, a slight deflection on it. Like, at first, when it went in, I was sure that it was just Branstrom's goal, but they, uh, they zoomed in on Batherson right away, focused on him on the broadcast. Like, right away, they seemed to have realized that he tipped it, so it is his goal in the end, and that was just, uh, just an awesome start. A little unfortunate for Tampa. Like, you can't really say that they messed up on that play. It was just... Uh, just a weird bounce off of a stanchion, but but we take those. And we love to see Eric Branstrom recording more points. That's 15 assists on the season now. Just, I'm just quickly checking to see if he had any other assists tonight. It was just the one, but Eric Branstrom finally getting some decent point production now that he has more ice time. And I will say it's not even just that he has more ice time, but also that he has better line mates when he's on the ice. Even if he was playing about the same amount of minutes, I think the fact that he's out there now with the top six lines, most of the time he's suddenly putting up points because uh, I, I wish I could go back and see what his stats were about halfway through the year. I seem to remember looking at some point and he had like in, like around like 35 to 40 games played and he had like zero goals, two assists or three assists or something like that. And now he's got 16 points or 17 points. They haven't updated it yet. Uh, 17 points in 72 games, so it's not, like, huge for a defenseman, but the fact that, like, 90% of those points have come in the last two months here, where he's gotten increased ice time, originally with the previous injury to Sanderson was when he moved up, and then, can't remember if that, I think that was before we got Chikrin as well, and then Chikrin and Shabbat going down, then it's just Sanderson and Branstrom absolutely carrying the defense, so... I like uh, like to see Branstrom getting points, and I've been, even without the points, been very happy with his play lately. Um, Adam in the chat asking, without rooting for the Sens in the playoffs, are there any teams or matchups that you're intrigued by? Um, as a uh, <laughs> as a certified Leafs hater, I I watch or at least follow most of the um, <laughs> the Leafs playoff series every year. Um, Usually watching, but last season, and you know, like rooting for them to lose, obviously. Uh, like last season, I was working uh, evening shifts, like night shifts until like 11 p.m. And I would be like in the back room at work uh, with headphones on, listening to the Tampa Bay uh, radio feed uh, for, for quite a few games in that playoff series. And it was uh, it was quite interesting to be listening to uh, to a playoff series on the radio like that. I don't think I've really ever done that before. Uh, but <laughs> I'm always focused on the Leafs playoff series because it's funny when they lose. Although, as I said earlier, I do think that they're probably going to beat the Lightning this year. But I'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. And then in terms of uh, any other matchups, I guess just quickly, um, I'm hoping that 
New Jersey and uh, and the Rangers play in the first round. It's very close uh, between first and second in that division. So Carolina might slip out of first and maybe that won't be the first round matchup. But I'm hoping we get that because that would be a sick rivalry. And then uh, I also always follow Edmonton in the playoffs. Uh, my dad is an Oilers fan. So Oilers are kind of my second or third team along with Columbus. So I'll be watching all those teams in the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, not watching the Sens in the playoffs, though. Um, Josh as well saying, do you think, as a Flames fan, do you think the Flames will make the playoffs? I, ooh, Flames are really up and down this year. I won't say that, I won't say that they're like the Sens because they've got totally different problems, but the Flames are kind of like another team here where they'll play a couple great games and then play a couple absolutely awful games. Like they, uh, they went 0-2-1 against Chicago this season and similar to the Sens who went 0-1-1 against them. Like just goofy how that, how that kind of thing happens. I, I don't know. It's basically just whether or not Winnipeg completely messes up and lets Calgary into the playoffs because Winnipeg got a big shutout win tonight, which gives them a two point gap now with even games played, I think. Does Calgary play tonight? Yeah, Calgary plays Vancouver tonight, so so Calgary could tie them again, but then Winnipeg having the game in hand. I do think it's going to be very difficult for Calgary to get, get in, but I would... Now, okay, I was, I was going to say, I would like to see them get in because um, there would be a potential for Battle of Alberta again in the first round if, uh, if Edmonton can pass Vegas uh, in the last couple games here, if you get Edmonton first place and Calgary in the last wild card, but it's... It's a little bit unlikely to happen. That would be really fun. But I also don't want to count the Jets out entirely too because I like the Jets and uh, they were doing so well earlier this season. I'm kind of sad seeing the Jets fall off. So at least if the Jets do fall off, there's a potential for that battle of Alberta. So, uh, but best of luck to the Flames there, Josh. Uh, hopefully they can do uh, what the Sens couldn't and uh, manage to make a bit of a miracle run in the last few games and get into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, back to the Sens and the Lightning. Uh, as, as I was saying, I'm, I'm really not much of a believer in the Lightning this year. Like, they, ju they just didn't impress me this game and definitely not the last game against the Sens either. Just, this is a team that you would expect to be carrying the play a lot more with the stars that they have, but it kind of feels to me like they just, they kind of sit back a lot. They strike on the power play and they're, it doesn't really feel to me like they're pushing play lately. Um, this road trip in particular, I think has been terrible for them. If I remember correctly, they lost 6-3 to the Rangers, 6-1 to the Islanders, and then 7-4 now to the Sens, which is just an insane amount of goals to give up in one road trip. Uh, and like here tonight, Brian Elliott wasn't the best like some of the goals he had no chance but some of them like that Castellet goal at the end there like you really you really got to have that one so I, I, I and I don't know if Vasilevsky played those other two previous games where they allowed six I know he played against the Rangers don't know if he played against the Islanders but either way very concerning Tampa allowing so many goals here and I was talking about uh, who they had in the lineup because there was some injuries although a lot of guys came back today it's only Sergachev missing from their defense, so uh, he's just missed this one game. He'll be back, and that helps a lot, but other than that, this is basically their their team for the playoffs, so it'll, it'll be interesting against the Leafs, but um, yeah, and t this is the thing. I was saying uh, Tampa Bay has just been kind of, I feel like they rely on the power play a, 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 quite a bit this season. Um, 
it was uh, three power play goals for the Lightning tonight, which is just just ugly for the Sens penalty kill. And it's a little bit weird because I haven't really noticed anything outside of like a few specific mistakes, like on the five on three today. I haven't really noticed anything like positioning wise or like systems wise that I think the penalty kill has been doing worse at because I think it's been very good overall for most of the season. But um, the three power play goals against here today and it was uh, I had it written down here somewhere. Yeah, 10 power play goals allowed in the last six games for the Sens, which is just really rough. Um, the first one, I think, was tough because the first minute of the penalty kill early in this game where Kalorn scored, the first minute of that, I thought the penalty kill was actually doing fantastic. Uh, the Lightning couldn't get set up at all. We cleared it like three separate times at least. Uh, but then once the Lightning did get set up at about the halfway mark of that penalty, then they were just whipping it around easily. We weren't really um, getting in the passing lanes to break things up. And then... Stamkos with that shot like obviously Stamkos's shot is lethal but that it wasn't even a one-timer which is a little bit weird to me usually he's cranking the one-timers but this time he had so much time and space where he already had the puck he's just standing still and he's like you know what I'll just throw it at the net they've given me so much time to just shoot it and I feel like you don't usually see just stationary slap shots like that on on the power play where there's not really any movement uh to create the shot you know the movement turning it into a one-timer. He just he just cranked it, uh, standing still there, and uh, Kalorn gets the tip. I, I'm not going to be too harsh on Talbot for this one, just because it was deflected, but when I originally saw it, I was like, okay, Stamkos was pretty far out, and he had all day to shoot, so it's a, it's a play where I would have liked to see a, sa a save from Talbot, ideally. But again, it was deflected. Um, I didn't get too good of a look on how it was deflected, like up, down, to the side, or whatever, so... I don't know if it was much of a severe deflection, but deflections are always tough. Um, so I won't be too harsh on Talbot for that one, even though we're being very harsh on Cam Talbot uh, lately in general, which I'll get into more later. Um, after that, uh, Matthew Joseph had a really nice chance. Not Didn't turn into too much of a great scoring chance, but he had a good opportunity kind of at the end of a shift. Um, so he was tired. I think if it was earlier in the shift, he would have been able to just blow by the Tampa defense, but he had to cut back and take a shot kind of from the top of the circles. But I was kind of watching Joseph closely here tonight because I was thinking he would be a little bit amped up against his former team. And to be honest, I thought he was really good. I thought this was one of Joseph's best games uh, since he's come back from injury and maybe all season because it's been a pretty up and down season for him. But I liked his jump tonight. He got an assist later in the, uh, didn't he? Wait, where am I seeing this in the, in the box car? I was like, he got an assist. And now I'm like, I don't see it anywhere. Wasn't it on the Patrick Brown goal? The Patrick Brown, okay. Patrick Brown's goal now reads uh, assist from Kastulik and Zub. So I guess Zub's shot hit Kastulik on the way in uh, before Brown got to it. I had written down that Joseph made a great play to uh, retrieve the puck and get it to the point to Zub on that one. Uh, and I was giving him credit for the assist, but no, uh, that got removed apparently. Um, so that sucks for Joseph because I thought that he played really well tonight and had some good scoring chances as well. It was uh, into the second period, I think it was, near the beginning of the second, but he also had a deflection that hit the side of the net. It was pretty close to going in though because Elliot wasn't, um, wasn't really expecting it. Uh, so 
close calls for Joseph here tonight. Um, it really sucks that he only has three goals on the season. And of course, the, the trade with Nick Paul, I don't know how much I want to get into that because uh, everyone's got their opinions on that and most of them will probably be the same. Um, obviously, Paul having a much better season this year, but playing with better players, playing on a much better team. And to be fair, I think Nick Paul had a like a hot streak early in the year, like between like the 20th and 40th game of the season there. I think somewhere around there I remember seeing it. And I don't remember the last time I've actually seen Nick Paul score. Like I'm always watching highlights lately and I think he's gone kind of cold in terms of offense. Still, I, I think he might be on a career high in points. I'll see here. Yeah, 32 is his career high in points this season, but so good for him. But he has cooled off a bit too, so it's not... Yeah, I'm looking at his game logs now, and I don't know if I want to sit here counting uh, live on air, but his last goal was uh, February 21st against Anaheim. And I don't want to discredit Paul too much because he's a fantastic player. Looking at Again, looking at his game logs here, he still plays like 19 to 20 minutes a night on some of these nights because he's such a reliable defensive player. And he can play on any line, move up and down your lineup. So we all know the value of Nick Paul. Um... But I just got to say that Joseph was good tonight. I think Joseph still has potential, not necessarily to be like a top six forward or anything like that, but to at least get back to a solid third liner level if he can just get a bit more production. Maybe playing with um, some better uh, some better depth scorers. Like at the beginning of the season, it was supposed to be Tyler Mott, Shane Pinto, and uh, Matthew Joseph as the third line. And we were all really excited for that. It was a really good line in preseason. Obviously, Tyler Mott isn't that much of a like quality depth scorer. He's more of a penalty killer who doesn't provide that much scoring. Although he had a two-goal night uh, earlier this week, which was actually against Tampa Bay, which was a little bit funny. But um, I think that if Joseph is playing like a whole season on the third line with Pinto, and then you sub someone else in that left-wing spot, I'm trying to think... If that if there would be a good option on the current roster for that that left wing spot there, maybe that could be uh, a position that they fill externally. Joseph could play both wings too, so you could put him on the left wing. Maybe you could have Joseph Pinto and Sokolov as a third line next year. I wouldn't be too. Uh, I would be a little bit excited if if something like that were to happen. We saw Sokolov obviously pick up his first NHL goal tonight, so we see we see the potential of Sokolov there. Um, but yeah, just in terms of Joseph, I think the points are obviously disappointing this year and specifically the goal scoring, but I think he still does have some potential. I'm trying to be positive about Matthew Joseph, so I'll, I'll leave it at that for that. Um, I didn't, I should mention as well, Julian Gauthier with the goal in the first period. Uh, this is the, pretty much the last note that I had for the first period here. Uh, beautiful snipe. Uh, it's very silly that Julian Gauthier was scratched for as long as he was. I'm gonna I'm gonna check now because I don't know uh, when his last game played was. His last game was March 25th against the Devils, and that's so that's a solid two weeks there. I really don't know why. Yeah, that's exactly two weeks. That was a Saturday game two weeks ago. I really don't know why DJ has had him out of the lineup for so long. It, he's not a guy that's going to be sniping it every night like that, like he did here today. It was a beautiful goal, um, a little bit unexpected from him, but he's got three goals since joining the Sens, and nine goals on the season is the best in our bottom six, other than Broussard, who's now injured. So I really don't know why he's been scratched, and like I think 
with his speed and his size, he's a good four checker. I think he should play the last two games of the season as well. If he gets scratched again, that will just be silly. To be fair, he has been scratched kind of in favor of Patrick Brown lately. Um, and Patrick Brown did get a goal here tonight too. So credit to Brown as well. I think he was great tonight. I don't know if Patrick Brown is necessarily someone that they will want to bring back uh, next season, but I wouldn't be opposed to him as like a 13th or 14th forward option. I would say either bring back Patrick Brown or bring back Gambrell, not both. You Ideally, you don't really ever want to have both of those guys in your lineup at once, but one or the other popping in occasionally for like 20 to... 20 to 40 games when filling in for injuries and stuff. It's pretty decent. Like, Patrick Brown, he hustles out there, he blocks shots, he throws hits, and he gets rewarded with a nice greasy goal tonight in front of the net. Um, so happy with his performance here tonight. Don't, again, don't know if he'll be re-signed for next season, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. And with Gauthier as well, I I really think they should bring him back on, like, on a cheap deal. Like, he would probably have to be on a one-way deal. I don't think you could convince him to take a two-way, but... Probably like uh, not much more than league minimum for for a one year deal. I think Gauthier is worth keeping around, but we'll see. Don't really know. I don't really have a read on whether or not uh, that'll happen. I and mean, then obviously, I with especially with these depth players, uh, where different managers will prefer different types of players at the bottom of their lineup. Um, we don't even know if Pierre Dorian will be back. So he's brought in these two guys, Gauthier and Brown, very recently at the around the trade deadline and we don't know if Dorian is going to be around much longer so it's possible that a new GM comes in and he says oh, we don't need these guys we need different guys for the bottom six um and and again ideally I don't think I want either of them starting like every game for the Sens maybe Gauthier like starting as the fourth line right wing I'd be cool with that especially because I don't think Watson will be back um I'd be good with that but again I don't know if these guys are going to be re-signed, but very good for both of them to score here tonight and maybe raise a little bit of their a little bit of their off-season value, whether or not they're re-signed by the Sens. Maybe uh, they could each get picked up by another team, if not. So very nice to see that depth scoring here tonight, especially because that's been our biggest issue all season. It's it's very funny that we get Gauthier, Brown, Sokolov, and Kasselik all scoring tonight. Um, Batheson, Dabrinkit... Giroux with the other ones, more um, usual suspects, but uh, but yeah, depth scoring it's it's been a problem, and like I think everyone wants to see totally refreshed bottom six next year, which I agree with. Uh, but happy to see them do well tonight, even though even though we're totally out of it uh, in terms of playoffs. Nice to see these guys do well and uh, succeed at the NHL level and show that they belong. Some of these guys. Uh, Adam in the chat asking, what's the number one thing you feel needs to be improved next year? I think um, I'm tempted to say goaltending, and I'm going to talk more about goaltending later, but maybe that's recency bias. Like, in terms of the number one thing, I don't know if if goaltending is... Um, if we're just overreacting because Talbot hasn't been good lately, and, you know, we're missing Forsberg, we obviously know that he is is a good like 1a starter and if if Forsberg has been had been playing like if he didn't get injured at all and he played the rest of the season for the Sens could could be a different story like there's been a few games where we've just given up points 
uh, just because, uh, sorry, I don't know if anyone heard that loud crash. I got distracted uh, from something upstairs. Um, hopefully the mic didn't pick that up. But uh, but yeah, like there's been some games where we just, we've given up points just because of a subpar goaltending. And you never know if Forsberg didn't get injured, maybe this team is squeaking into the eighth playoff spot. Um, so it might, I feel like it might be recency biased to say that goaltending is the biggest issue. So for now, to answer your question, Adam, I will say um, I think depth scoring for sure. And maybe some of that could have to do with like getting a new coach as well and having a different system for 5-on-5 offense because right now the way our bottom six is built is it's just a bunch of grinders, a bunch of guys who just go out there and throw the body, which I like, but they're not the type of players that can do that and produce enough. Like they've... These guys, like, oh my god, I forgot about Parker Kelly. I just, I just remembered. I was about to start listing off like uh, Kelly, Kastelik, and Watson has been the fourth line for most of the season, and I just had like an epiphany, being like, I forgot that Parker Kelly existed because he's been injured for weeks now, and I, and I, what did he? He has one goal on the season, I think, and I don't even remember when he scored that, uh, or if he even actually did score a goal. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Uh, I'm sure someone in chat will correct me, but I think he did score. Might have been against Anaheim, which is the most random thing to to say if it isn't true. But but these yeah these guys like um, Kelly Castellick and Watson. I like Castellick. I'd like to see him return as the fourth line center next year. But get him some better wingers who can uh, who can create more offense than he can, so that it's uh, like so there's not just just bang and crash and that's it and they don't really produce much. And then even the third line, at least having uh, Pinto back will help with the depth scoring. Uh, like Josh says in the chat, um, getting Norris back, pushing Pinto down will improve it for sure. I think, again, it's just a bit of a, like I was saying about Forsberg getting injured and that uh, the goaltending now struggling since then. Um, it's a bit of bad luck that, that cost the census here. You have to say, even though there's there is big issues like the Norris injury as well, just super bad luck. And if we had him all year, like, we're going to finish somewhere between, like, five to eight points out of the playoffs, I think. Uh, maybe if we win out, it might be a little closer than that. But if you're within five points of the playoffs and you're missing your leading goal scorer from last year, a guy who put up 35 goals in 66 games last year, missing him for the whole year. And he's supposed to be, he was supposed to be the first line center at the beginning of the year. We weren't expecting Stutzla to have to completely take over which thank god that he was able to do and just become a superstar but we were expecting Norris to be the first line center uh, for this season so if you have a healthy Norris for even half the year like again it's a lot of ifs but maybe that puts us sneaking into the eighth spot or at least like tied in there and maybe we finish in maybe we finish out but you are correct, uh, Josh, that, that having Norris back is going to help a lot with the depth scoring. And, and I, like I said earlier, I think if you have Pinto and Joseph together, I think is a very good pairing for the third line. And then I think you just need kind of a playmaker type to go along with them. Because we know Pinto can score goals. We know Matthew Joseph can forecheck and, uh, with his great speed. So just get, get, get a little playmaking element in there on the third line with those guys. And I think that's good. And then on the fourth line as well, even though we had fourth liners scoring tonight, like Gautier, Brown, and Kastelik, um, get a little, someone with a little bit more offensive flair, I think. It's, I don't know, it's a weird thing in the NHL where I feel like most teams don't employ people who have offensive flair to play on their fourth line, but there's got to be grinders out there that 
can at least chip in like 10 goals, whereas for most of the season, we were playing guys who aren't going to finish with 10 goals, just frankly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got to say depth scoring as the main thing, main issue for me this season. Um, where am I going from here? Uh, I feel like I've bounced around a little bit. We had uh, the five on three I should talk about, uh, Tampa getting those two goals to tie the game up quickly. It was three goals on 11 shots for Cam Talbot at that point, which sucked, and Cam Talbot has sucked. Luckily, he was uh, pretty good for the rest of the game after this five on three. That Braden Point goal in the third period was just a tap in where he had no chance. That was just a pure defensive breakdown, so I can't blame him on that one. But And obviously, the Brandon Hagel goal, the first power play goal, obviously a defensive breakdown. Uh, the five on three, I've never seen three guys go into the corner for a puck battle on a five on three. Like, we had the two guys in there. Um, already digging for it and then I think it was Holden just kind of uh eased in too far and got way too close to the puck battle that was going on so then when we lost it they just had the the easy pass for a mini 2-on-0 right in front so as I was saying about the penalty kill I don't like it's been bad lately but I don't think it's been like noticeably really bad it's just that shots have been going in and like the goalies haven't been great I think Florida scored a few power play goals on uh, on Marilinen and Sogard. I, I don't know, I can't remember how many they scored, but it was at least like two or three. And some of those shots in that game just shouldn't have gone in. And speaking of shots that shouldn't have gone in, I feel like the Victor Hedman goal was entirely savable. I think Cam Talbot should have had that one. It's, uh, it is Victor Hedman on a one-timer. He can rip it, but just it, it looked like Talbot was square to the shot and he was ready for it and it just went by him anyway. That's not what you want to see, um, especially for a goalie like Talbot, who's at this point battling for a contract uh, next season, not from the Sens, but from anyone else. Like uh, you, you'd think um, even if he's kind of checked out on the team in these past couple of weeks, you'd think he would at least uh, be able to get in the mindset of, oh, I got to play really well to earn a contract next season because uh Right now, I don't know who's going to give it to him. I'm sure someone will sign him, but it's like he's just on an ugly stretch stretch here. So luckily, Talbot was able to hold the fort for the rest of the game other than that one tap in for Braden Point, which is not his fault. So at least there's that. He he didn't cost us tonight, but again, what is it? A 833 save percentage, which is which is the best of his last three starts, I'm pretty sure, because... It was definitely below 800 in that Flyers game, and uh, what the somehow I'm blanking on what what his oh yeah the Columbus game, I think it was four goals on like slightly less shots. So this is his best game in a while, and still an 8.33 save percentage, which is quite rough. But at least we got to cheer on. Lots of goals tonight, lots of scoring, so the goaltending didn't matter too much for us, and. I mentioned it a couple times, but I got to fully focus on it for uh, Igor Sokolov's first NHL goal. So happy for him. So excited to see him finally score that. I feel like he's had actually some pretty good, like a couple good scoring chances in the last two games, even though he had very limited ice time. Um, so super happy for him. Everyone loves Sokolov. And I feel like I feel like I don't know what his future with the organization is going to be. But there is, like I've been talking about the depth scoring, he could provide that there is opportunity in this bottom six. So 
love to see him get that goal, prove that he's able to score score in the NHL, even though it's just your first goal, but you got to start somewhere. It was a beautiful move on Elliot. Elliot had uh, no chance, hung him out to dry. A bit of a lucky uh, chance that he got the puck in the first place. I think it was Chernak who just fell down <laughs> and then gave up the puck. Uh, so it was a bit of a funny goal, but Sokolov turned it into a beautiful goal with that nice deke in front. And uh, yeah, I think... If he can if he can get a little bit of a scoring touch at the NHL level, even if it's just like being able to be a guy who chips in 10 to 15 goals in the in the bottom six, I think that would be very good for him and very good for the team as well. So very glad to see Igor score here tonight. Um, and uh, hopefully he can get another goal in the next last couple games here. I, I'd like to see him with a little bit more increased ice time maybe in the last couple games since there's not really any stakes for the Sens. Um, yeah, because it was actually, I'm just seeing now his ice time was only 6.54 today, um, which I think is even less than the previous two games. And even in that Florida game, when it became such a shit show, I thought that his ice time would have been a little bit higher since we were having a bunch of players get kicked out of the game. Uh, like we were down, Watson got injured and then we were down Kastelik and Brady for like half the game. So it was a little bit weird to me that he only played eight minutes, 30 seconds in that game, but that game was a complete shit show, so it was weird. Um, but I hope DJ can can up his ice time just a, just a little bit more um, in the last two games. Like Dylan Gambrell played 13 minutes tonight, and he did get an assist, but you don't really need to be playing Dylan Gambrell over 10 minutes, like ever. Um, you put him on the penalty kill. That's about all. That's about the only time I ever don't mind seeing Gambrell out there on the ice. Um, maybe his uh, Gambrell's ice time is a little bit inflated tonight because uh, Tampa had five power plays. Although it says uh, that they were three for five, but I think it was really more four opportunities because you had the the overlap with the five on three. So uh, NHL.com doesn't want to show me what uh, what his Gambrell's shorthanded ice time was. I uh, can't see that there in the basic box score, but I don't know. Give me more Sokolov, DJ. I would like to see it. That's uh, that's my main point here. Um, Daniel in the chat saying, Clevin has looked impressive more so than you would have expected this early. And I totally agree with that. I feel like I didn't really have too many notes on the Sens defense tonight because I feel like lately, like with no Shabbat, no Chikrin, basically as a whole, the decor they've been running, I feel like has been very good at uh, transitioning the puck and getting it out of our zone quickly. It's more so when we get caught on the cycle and caught defending without the puck that uh, I find they struggle, like on that uh, the fourth Tampa goal tonight. And they're a little bit on the on the penalty kill goals as well, but obviously that's not five on five. Um, But yeah, Clevin has just fit in perfectly with, with this decor so far. Um, 13 minutes tonight, he was solid. I, I didn't have... Uh, too many notes on him, but every game he has fit in, and it's it's always interesting with players coming from college. You never really know um, how it's going to go with these these short little stints at the end of the season. But I do think Clevin has a chance to start the year with the team next year. I don't think it would be a problem either if he uh, spends time in Belleville as well, maybe for like half the season or so, and then you bring him up later in the year next year. But very good start to the career for Tyler Clevin. He's fitting in perfectly. And uh, we, we got to see his slap shot a little bit tonight. He had a couple of shots on goal where uh, you could see the power in the shot. And I think it was the first shot that he had. It was a one-timer. Almost went under Elliott's arm. 
on the blocker side. It was very close to slipping through, and that would have been awesome if he was able to, uh, if Elliot was able to let that one in for us and and give us uh, Clemens' first goal. But he's got a bomb from the point. Wouldn't be surprised to see him score in the next couple games. Um, I I had actually seen, yeah, here it is. This is from a few days ago, so I think this is before the Florida game, which was a mess. So it may screw with the stats a little bit, but uh, Trevor Shackles had tweeted, uh, among players who have had more than one game played for the Sens, uh, Tyler Clevin was first on the Sens for Corsi 4 percentage at 62.39%, um, and first in expected goals for at 59.86. So that's from a couple games ago, but that's very impressive for a rookie to just step in and uh, get advanced stats like that right away. Like, that's just awesome stuff. That proves how well he's fitting in. Um, so yeah, very happy with Tyler Clevin so far, and it's always exciting to have uh, rookies join your team late in the year, especially now that we don't have any um, playoff hopes. It's it's nice. That's the main thing I'm looking for in these last few games is watching these guys like Sokolov and Clevin. Even though they didn't get a ton of ice time, I mean it's against a top team in the league in the Lightning, so it's you're gonna be riding your top guns, and those guys won't get as much ice time. But it's uh, it's awesome to see both of those guys excelling. And especially, especially Clevin on defense. Like, uh, I wish I could see his overall. I it would take me too long to pick it up, but I gotta look into how his um, how those advanced stats have changed over the last couple of games. If they're any better or any worse, he's uh, just been great. And this is a bit of a random uh, shift in topic, but since I was just talking about some Corsi stats, I also wanted to point out that the line of Batherson, Pinto, and DeBrinket tonight was. Um, 80% Corsi 4 with uh, with uh, 12 Corsi 4. Actually, I don't even know. Is it Corsi 4 or is it Chances 4? I think it's Chances when they say CF and CA. But anyway, 12, 4, and 3 against. I'm pretty sure it's Chances, right? <laughs> I I feel a little bit dumb for throwing out the stat and then misremembering what it is. But 80% on the Corsi, we, we like that from, from the second line. Especially since, I think... Pinto hasn't always been great in the second line center role, and we all wish that we had Norris to push Pinto back down, but Pinto was awesome tonight, I thought, and this this line as a whole was great. You get goals from Batherson and Debrinkit. Pinto had some really good scoring chances as well uh, that were created by Debrinkit. Debrinkit, uh, I don't think he got an assist tonight, but on some of those setups, he was showing why he leads the Sens in primary assists this season, so... Had to shout out that line as well because they were clearly our best line tonight. And for like the past week now, I feel like the Stutzla line hasn't been as good lately. Um, Stutzla was pointless for the last four games until the assist on the empty net tonight. So very glad that he was able to get that, um, get back on on the on the board there. I I want to see him hit ninety points. I think he's on eighty seven, maybe eighty eight. 40 goals would be unlikely unless he gets a hat trick in, in one of the last couple games, but hopefully Timmy can scrape up to 90 points. That would be just awesome. But but I, but yeah, I feel like the first line has gone a little bit cold lately, and I think DJ is a little bit reluctant to break that line up. So it's very good for us that the second line has picked it up lately. I've I've been pretty happy with them, and it's a line, that combination of the three players, Batson, Pindo, and Debrinket, that I haven't totally been happy with like throughout the season that they've been very up and down I find so glad that they're playing well playing well lately and even though Norris will slot back into the top six next year and Pinto will go down uh Batherson and Debrinket building chemistry is good because they might 
they might stay together as uh, as the winger pairing on the second line next year so good to see them having success and um just even in terms of Debrinket, like especially with the first line going cold i i've probably said this like 10 times already this season but my god i still want to see Debrinket playing with stutzla at even strength i think i think we need um we need that to happen like even just in the last two games like i just i just want to see it i want to see stutzla with Debrinket. um but it doesn't uh, it doesn't seem like dj wants to ever do that i wonder if maybe next year maybe a new coach will try that and also i don't know if Debrinket can play uh right wing but if anyone in chat knows uh let me know if Debrinket has ever played right wing before because if he could i think having kachuk stutzla and Debrinket would just be totally awesome i think that would at least be something worth trying obviously Giroud is awesome on that line too but I just think the playmaking of Stutzla and the finishing, well, even though it hasn't been great this year, but the the finishing ability of Debrinket, I think, could be a fun thing to see, especially in the last couple of games now that we're out of it. I just, I, I want to see DJ just put those guys together uh, just just to please me, please me, DJ, with the <laughs> with the line combination. Um, And yeah, uh, Josh also mentioning in the chat that Debrinket did have an assist on the Bathurst goal. That is true. The uh, off that that goofy dump in. So he he did get uh, he did get two points tonight. One goal, one assist for Debrinket. Just awesome stuff. Um, and yeah, I think I think really that's where I'm gonna leave it for tonight. Uh, unless anyone has any more comments or questions from the chat, I think that that's probably all my thoughts for this game. It was uh, it was very entertaining. Some good goals from both teams, and just it was kind of kind of back and forth. Like it seemed when Tampa got those two five on three goals that they might be able to take over the game, but um, we were we were able to keep it going, and we uh, we just kept the shot clock uh, totally in our favor all game. It's not like Tampa got too much more momentum after scoring those five on three goals, so it was it was nice to see the Sens kind of just controlled the game uh, for the whole sixty minutes, despite the score. Uh, being closer than maybe you would have liked uh considering how we controlled the game but very good performance from the Sens and it, especially since we got eliminated in ugly fashion on Thursday um I didn't really know if we were going to be seeing a, a like a very uh what's the word very like passionate performance from the Sens tonight because they uh like just being eliminated they might be a little downer like oh there's nothing left to play for but I guess Tampa's still a great team that you'll always want to uh, to be ready for, despite them being 3-7-0 in their last 10, as I'm just looking at the standings here. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure teams are always motiv motivated to play against a fantastic team like Tampa, who's gotten, uh, gotten two cups recently. And, oh yeah, one more thing I, I wanted to say about Tampa is I can't believe that they said on the broadcast uh, about halfway through the game that uh, John Cooper has never won the Jack Adams Award, and I'm, I am fact checking just really quickly. I'm sure they were correct, and yeah, that's weird to me. I didn't realize that. I feel like because John Cooper has been coaching the Lightning for ten years now. I think I saw recently he hit the ten year mark, and obviously they have two cups and some President's trophies in that span. It's uh, it's pretty surprising to me that John Cooper does not have a Jack Adams. I just thought that that was pretty funny. Um, 
I thought that he would have won it in the year where they had 62 wins and then proceeded to get swept by Columbus, but it is a regular season award. So I was just curious here to uh, check which season that was that he got, uh, that he didn't get it. It looks like it was, um, I think it was 18-19 or, or was it 17-18? No, it was 18-19 um, and they gave it to Barry Trotz that year. So I guess... Barry Trotz on the Islanders, I guess that's right after Tavares left. So that was a, that was an awesome story of the Islanders that year. And uh, Trotz with his second Jack Adams. But it feels like a little bit of a, a little bit of a shame to me that John Cooper doesn't have a Jack Adams. Uh, and I don't know with this core for Tampa winding down if if he'll ever get one. But he it's kinda like uh, it's kinda like Carlson with Norris's where there's years some years that he deserved it and didn't didn't get it at all and there's other years where he still deserved it but maybe not as much as the years that he didn't get it um and John Cooper has just had a lot of great seasons and never gotten one which is a little weird to me but but yeah it's all about the playoff success I'm sure he doesn't really care about winning the Jack Adams uh, but I just thought that was interesting um and yeah I think that's where I'm gonna leave it tonight uh I'm not overly impressed with the Lightning at the moment, uh, despite them obviously being one of the best teams the last five years. So I am scared that they are going to lose to the Leafs in the playoffs, but uh, it's it's going to happen eventually where the Leafs finally do win a playoff round. It is, I, I was I was like mentally preparing myself for it last year. I was pretty sure that the Leafs were going to win. Like they blew out Tampa in game one and then they beat them on home ice. I think like game Game three, I think, to go up 2-1, they beat them pretty handedly. And then game six, uh, it was going to going to OT. I think Kucherov scored like a power play goal in the third period of that game to tie it. And then Tampa ended up winning an OT. But that whole game, I, it just felt like Toronto was gonna, finally going to do it, finally going to do it. And somehow they didn't. And then they got dunked on by Nick Paul, uh, which we love to see. Hopefully Nick Paul can dunk on the Leafs again this year. But I don't know if it's going to happen. I think the Leafs might just be the stronger team this year. Um because I, I haven't been too impressed with the Lightning lately. But uh, yeah, yeah, Adam, you're scared too. Yeah, it's 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 going to happen eventually. But the thing is, at least all these previous times where Toronto lost in the playoffs, like um, up until last year, I was always saying like, nah, they're not going to win. The opponent is clearly better. Oh, Toronto has all these flaws. And now this year and last year as well, I'm like, I, I'm just like undoubtedly like, yeah, Toronto is really good and they should win the first round, but then they don't. So then it's even funnier when they don't do it. Like uh, the Montreal year as well, they totally should have won that. And I think they should have won last year. So if they don't, if Tampa does win that series, uh, it will be really, really funny anyway. So yeah, talk, talking a little playoffs, even though it's not totally relevant to the Sens, uh, because obviously the Sens will not make the playoffs, but we've got two more games to go. It will be uh, be a little bittersweet wrapping up the season here. It's been been a fun season. I'm not going to get too retrospective yet because we'll do that uh, in the last show of the season. But yeah, it's it's a little bit sad wrapping up the season. But at least we were able to hang on to slight playoff hopes until the last three games now. So we'll just uh, we'll have fun watching those last couple games and. I'll have fun doing my last couple shows, uh, last couple game overs of the season. Uh, I'll be back on Monday to cover the game against Carolina. So that's going to be it for tonight, everyone. Uh, leave a like on the stream if you enjoyed. Subscribe to SDBN. Share the stream around if you enjoyed it as well. And one last time, I'm going to shout out the game over merch. We have the game over Ottawa specific. Uh, we have it for every team, but 
the Ottawa one specifically, he, the robots got a little Ottawa jersey. So if uh, if you do not if you do not have any game over Ottawa merch, you can find that at sdpm.ca. We would love to see more people repping the show. Um, but yeah, everyone have a good night and thank you for watching. Game over. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.